welcome to a special bonus episode of We Got Goals, a podcast from asweatlife.com. I'm Kristen Guile, and as Michael Scott might say, my, how the turntables. When I spoke to Jason Kelly of Bloomberg about the business of fitness in early February, we lovingly gushed about Peloton as the pandemic darling of at-home fitness. We both agreed that even though they'd slowed their growth and made some missteps lately, the concept of Peloton and the engagement their audience has with the bike and the classes is still really sound. The market, we surmised, was still just trying to figure out how much the company was actually worth. A few days later, I sent the files off to be edited and I bounced off on vacation. Almost immediately, the Peloton news began to drop. 2,800 layoffs, the plans for an Ohio factory totally scrapped, John Foley out as CEO, Barry McCarthy in, and to top it all off, a scathing PowerPoint presentation made public by Blackwell's Capital urging Peloton to sell. The question was on everyone's mind. Is this all spelling doom for Peloton? Realizing that our original conversation was quickly outdated, Jason was kind enough to come back on the podcast for this special bonus episode. In this one, you'll hear us talk exclusively about the Peloton roller coaster, whether that's a sign of trouble for the at-home fitness industry, the continued saga of the mysterious Peloton rower, and why, at the end of the day, we still believe in the brand. There's a lot to talk about, and we do our best to cover it all. And now, on to the episode. Okay, listener, welcome back to a special edition to our previous conversation with Jason Kelly of Bloomberg uh, on We Got Goals. Depending on when you're listening to this, we are, you know, in the future for you. And uh, I spoke to Jason on our previous episode. We recorded February 3rd, and then I went on vacation, had plenty of time to reflect on the conversation we had about the business of fitness and all the different ins and outs of what's trending uh, in terms of you know private equity and investments and uh, different instructors monetizing their brands. We had an awesome conversation. And then you know as soon as I check into the Florida airport, all hell breaks loose with Peloton. <laughs> and Jason uh, generously agreed to come back on and record this little add-on to our previous conversation so that we could dig into what's been happening over the last two weeks what might happen in the future, wild speculation on my part. Jason is far too professional for that. Um, but yeah, Jason, how have you been since we last spoke? I've been good. Yeah. I mean, like you, watching everything that that's happening, I had a chance to go to Los Angeles and do some work ahead of the Super Bowl. And we had a big conference around the business of fitness where, interestingly, this topic um, came up. In fact, one of the folks we had that I got to interview was Kevin Mayer, who's the chairman of Beachbody now. And so he was able to share a little bit of insight as to what's going on. And, and I'm sure that'll weave into our conversation a little bit. I mean, I think, you know, watching all of this to, to some extent with, with a little bit of amazement, at least at the, the, the speed with which it all happened, right? Yeah, I think the speed is what's really the most shocking and I feel like me sharing the dates kind of helps. So like I said, we we spoke on February 3rd. We are recording this on February 16th. Uh, this episode will probably go out February 23rd or 24th, depending. And since our last conversation, we I've got a, a bulleted list here of everything that I needed to make sure we, we talked about. Uh, Peloton announced 2,800 layoffs. They scrapped plans to build a factory in Ohio. Uh, John Foley is out as the CEO, although he's still the executive chairman. 
Uh, Barry McCarthy is in. He's a former chief financial officer of Spotify. He's now the chief executive and president. And then there was a scathing PowerPoint presentation that would give the burn book in Mean Girls a run for its money. Uh, it was made public by Blackwell's Capital, um, shared their grave concerns about Foley as CEO, and ended with sort of a call to really strongly consider selling the company to a different, much bigger company. Did I miss anything? <laughs> I think that's a. I think that's about it. Um, you know, I think there were some nuances and and sort of like subtopics that sort of weaved through there. You know. Bloomberg and others reported that, you know, part of the severance package was a year's worth of Peloton membership, which what a cringe. What a cringe. Yeah, which just is is probably not a bad idea, but but maybe just do that quietly, I think is was probably the the consensus yeah. uh, around that. Uh, you know, I think it's I think you pretty much covered it all, but what an amazing um run or or lack thereof and and really you know, the question I think in a lot of people's minds is, is there a sale that makes sense? Is there a sale coming? Is this a reset? What does that reset look like? And and mm-hmm. maybe more than anything, and I'm probably anticipating a lot of maybe some of your questions, what does this mean for, for the broader industry? And, and if you're looking at this from the perspective of Peloton's competitors, what do you kind of make of this, to say the least, dramatic roller coaster ride? Yes. So you nailed those last two questions. I, I have pretty much written out verbatim. So let's come back to those because I think those will be nice ones to to end on after we've kind of roamed and wandered a little bit. Let's go back to, you know, you said the most pressing question you think was whether there was a sale that makes sense. And, you know, I've seen a couple of pieces that quoted the new CEO, Barry McCarthy, as saying that he didn't come on just to sell to another company, my, my question to you would just be, what's your reaction? Do you think a sale makes sense? Uh, what what are you thinking about in terms of investment and equity and all of those those things? Yeah, I mean, I think that is the question. Um, I, I think generally, you know, I and others probably take McCarthy at his word on that. Um, I think he's right that you probably don't take that sort of job, move across the country, in order to just prep the company for sale. Having said that, if the right offer comes along, he has a fiduciary responsibility to the board and to the investors, or the board has a fiduciary responsibility, I should say, to the company's investors, the public shareholders, to mm-hmm. you know look at that offer, see if it makes sense, and and then and then do something. You know, there's been a lot of speculation out there reported by various news outlets that Amazon, you know, could be interested, Nike could be interested. Mm-hmm. Apple, although it, it seems like uh, Apple is not um, a, a serious contender, just and again, as we as we speak now, you know, so who February sixteenth, everyone, <laughs> right? Exactly. Who, who knows what could happen? Um, you know, it was interesting while while I was traveling. I I happened to go. I was in Los Angeles, as I said, and I, I happened to go into a Lululemon store and see, you know, how they have the mirror set up, and I was chatting with the the guy who you know is essentially embedded in in Lulu to sell the the mirror product and and that did get me thinking about you know this sort of retail strategy and the and the the marriage as it were of a you know traditionally apparel company with a technology company and and does that make sense mm-hmm. i mean to me there is some 
sense to it. Um, I, I think it'd be a fascinating extension, especially for Nike that hasn't been in this business necessarily. I think there's a lot around the Peloton brand that still is very valuable. Mm-hmm. There's a, obviously a lot around the Nike brand that that is still very valuable. I think one of the questions which sort of goes to the broader question, as it were, is where does this company go from here, meaning Peloton? Mm-hmm. Like what mm-hmm. is the next, not just six to 12 months, but what's the next five years and and, yeah. and what is the the roadmap? And I do think that's part of, you know, the answer to that question, which hopefully we'll hear from the team over the next six months or so. I don't mm-hmm. think we're going to hear it tomorrow or next week. will largely determine whether this can go on as an independent company. Yeah. I, I've been following this as well. And, you know, I, the Nike is intriguing. I remember way back when I used to have a Nike Fit Band or Fuel Band or, or whatever they were called. And, you know, I can see where they've kind of dabbled in technology. They have a, a partnership, or at least they did, with Apple Watch. And you think about the person who owns a Peloton stereotypically is that same sort of type A, little competitive fitness enthusiast who is probably working out in Nike's clothes or identifies with their their roster of athletes. Um, but then you also think about, you know, Peloton has kind of ramped up their own apparel brand over the last couple of years, it seems to varying degrees of success, I would say. So yeah, it's interesting to consider which type of partner or potential buyer would make the most sense, whether that's apparel, whether that's streaming, whether that's, you know, content as a service, another subscription fee. Um, I do think there is something to the the apparel blend and, you know, what you could do with more wearable technology at that sort of marriage. Um, but what you just spoke to before I went on that that tangent, in our previous conversation, one of the things that you had said that I took note of was in order to succeed, a company like Peloton has to figure out what your consumer wants, where they want to go next before they know what they want. And, you know, that's that long-term five-year strategic thinking that you were just talking about right now. I'd love to hear more about, like, what do we think Peloton should be doing in the next five to 10 years? What do we predict on that horizon? Yeah. And and one thing I'll say as as we sort of get into that is the notion that, you know, the the notion of a sale or no sale feels binary, but but maybe it isn't. And there is the potential for a strategic investment or a more mm-hmm. serious partnership or, you know, mm-hmm. something that, you know, where Nike comes in and says, hey, listen, we're going to put X amount of money in here. Um, but that that means that we're not going to do any more like Peloton by Adidas and Peloton by Under Armour and Peloton by whoever. And we're not going to do as much you know, kind of white labeled type things that, you know, Nike is going to be the primary apparel partner for, you know, in exchange for money and technology and and all those different things. So I think that's one element um, that could come into play, you know, with Nike or or with somewhere, someone else. Um, More directly to your question, you know, you hear rumors or you see things about rowing, you see things about different modalities. I, I saw I think, the rowing rumor come back up. Yes. Uh, I think just today, say something had confirmed somewhere that a rower was coming out. Yes. I saw the same thing. And and so, you know, it's interesting to think about them, you know, continuing into the hardware business with the acquisition of Precore, which I think in all of the, you know, drama of the last few months, that that element may have fallen by the wayside a little bit, or, or I think people have forgotten about that a little bit. And 
And so I think this continued ability to find for Peloton to kind of find its way into our lives, whether it is in our homes, Mm -hmm. in our local gym, in a hotel gym, Mm -hmm. in a corporate scenario. I I feel like that still is an, is an area of growth. What the branding is, I think still remains to be seen. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I will tell you from a, from a personal perspective, I'm in the midst, and I don't know if you've tried this or not, but um, I'm in the midst of doing this new boxing program that they're doing. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. Kendall Tool and Selena mm-hmm. Samuela and, and one of the rad. other instructors, exactly rad. And um, I think it's great. You know, yeah. I mean, I really do. Like, it's very, it's very friendly in terms of travel, and mm-hmm. you can do it anywhere. Yeah. And it's a it's a different sort of thing that doesn't require more equipment. Mm-hmm. And I think it also leverages some of their existing personalities and personnel and and skills. I mean, my sense is that Kendall and Rad and Selena are like legit, like they're, yeah. they're good instructors in this yeah. and I'm engaging with them and I think it's a good program. And so, you know, and I think we, you and I talked about this in our initial conversation you know, the instructors are everything for these businesses. Yeah. And so I think we we think a lot about, and rightly about, well, different modalities and, you know, is there more hardware to come? But really, I think if they can continue to invest in and develop and cultivate the personalities who everyone wants to engage in or who a lot of people want to engage with um that you know from a content perspective that's what's going to drive membership and especially i think if more people ultimately are going to become members via the app um that's actually what you need and the investment yeah. while i think people are always you know kind of taken by the headlines of, you know, this instructor makes half a million dollars a year, whatever the averages turn out to be. I think if you do the math on the other side and you're talking about people who are regularly speaking to live, you know, a thousand, 10,000 people and over the course of one session on demand, 50,000, a hundred thousand people, that seems like a good investment, I I think, but by, by many numbers. When, you mentioned like the the strength of the instructors and the the cult of personality around them. You know, one of the other things I I had wanted to ask you about was if if we are talking about a sale and if we are just you know sticking to that binary for now, is there any chance that this move could dilute like the strength of the Peloton brand and what we know them for? And you know, everyone has a clear sense of what it is that they provide and how and where. Does a sale hurt that that strength of the brand at all? Potentially. Um, I mean, I think you could make a case either way, depending on who the depending on who the buyer is. You know, if you think about a Nike, Nike has long been in the business of being in business with the world's greatest athletes, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's Serena or whether it's Tiger Woods or whether it's LeBron or, you know, like on and on Michael Jordan, obviously being sort of the the pinnacle of that, but, you know, across so many different sports, they understand athletes. And if ultimately Peloton is putting up its instructors, which I think it is as the ultimate athlete, then, then it 
feels like that could be, um, as they say in 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 mergers and acquisitions, immediately accretive <laughs> um, rather than dilutive. And so, so I do wonder about that element. But it does. I think what's underlying your question is this notion of who a brand associates with, especially here in the year 2022, is really, really critical. And you really can, you know, you can, you can blow it pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, let's back up a little bit into those big questions that you correctly predicted. I would, I would ask her in this point, Uh, is this a, sign of real trouble for the full at-home fitness revolution? Is this just a warning bell of what explosive, totally unrealistic growth can can do to a company? Are we, air quotes, the consumers, the ones misinterpreting any of this? Uh, shoot your shot. <laughs> um, I think it's a little bit unclear as we speak here in February of 2022 just post, you know, Omicron wave, seemingly getting back to some sense of normal, like what the new normal, as it were, looks like. I will say, and this was something Kevin Mayer said in in our interview, I do think that the snapback to in-person fitness surprised people. I think it surprised everyone. I, I think I think we surprised ourselves candidly, like as consumers and and um uh and participants in in this business that you know the and, and you and I talked about this in our first conversation that you know that this notion and I'm not just saying this because it was one of the main theses of my book, but it's like this notion of like wanting to do this together and creating a community of in-person sweating together, getting better together, like all of those things is real. Like I, I, I think I'd like, I, I firmly believe that. And I think that while there were probably way too many people going after that, I don't think the, the, the promise of that is false. And I, and I think it's interesting to think about as we do get back to whatever normal life is in the same way that People are going want to go back to restaurants. People want to go back to the gym, and and, yeah. and and so I think this notion of like, well, it was super convenient with Peloton and Tonal and Mirror and Hydro and all these different things, like to have it in our home. Absolutely, it is, and I think that people will continue to do that. And there is a segment of the population for whom boutique fitness is not an option, either based on the economics or based on geography or whatever that is. But in big metros with an affluent population, the boutique fitness trend and the in-person fitness trend, I think, is back on track to some extent. Mm -hmm. And so then it becomes a matter of saying, all right, well, if we live just as we do in our work lives, and I think we talked about this, in a hybrid world, how do you manage to that if you're in the in-person or if you're in the at-home business, rather? Mm -hmm what's the, what's the, you know, the, the classic, you know, metric is the TAM, the total addressable market. Like what is that now in this world where we're at home one to two days a week, and then we're in the office. And so can I justify having a Peloton 
at that price point or should it be a lower price point? And you know, what am I willing to do? I think those are those are questions we just don't know the answer to yet. Yeah. And I think the other element is that we're also reminded that you know, we're also kind of fickle <laughs> as human beings. Something Gina always says anytime we do a survey or we make our our fitness predictions, she says at the bottom bottom line, humans are unpredictable. Like we can say that we are going to do one thing with all the confidence in the world, and then we behave the complete opposite way. Sometimes just totally irrationally. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I I totally agree with that, and I think our tastes change. You know that you know, you think about. I, I love these little like micro trends, like Wordle. Right? I don't know if you've played Wordle. It's like Have I, I ever. love Wordle. I play it every day, yep. but even even over like if you had asked me three weeks ago, I would have said Wordle is the first thing I do every month. It's like when I'm having my coffee, I do my Wordle. And now it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I get around to it. Like I yep. usually try and do it. And I like, I like my streaks and we're all, mm-hmm. you know, we're all gamified in, in our brains. But I, I'm guessing that if you and I have a conversation six months from now, I'll be like, remember when we were doing Wordle all the time? Like, I mean, good times. it comes good and time. goes. <laughs> yeah. And so like good for... I think his name is Matt Wardle for like selling that to the New York Times for seven figures. Like good he on him. He also had a roller coaster three weeks since we last talked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so that's great. But like we know that tastes change and habits change and all those different things. So, I mean, listen, if if we've learned anything in the last two and a half, three years, it's like we just don't know what's what's around the corner and prediction is a fool's game. Eloquently said. Is there anything that we want to make sure we address about the Peloton? Anything that we haven't touched on that you you think listeners are probably asking about or questions that they might be having? So I, I guess the, the one thing that I have heard a couple times that, you know, I would sort of punt back to you as well for, for your opinion is people are saying, oh my gosh, I just got a Peloton and now I think it's going to go out of business. I don't think it's going out of business. Like I, well, I, I just yeah, I've read in in my limited research that you know even if worst case scenario the company were to fail tomorrow, they're still hosting all of their content. It's going to be there forever. You will still have access to Cody Rigsby's thirty minute boy bands ride, you know, for as long as the servers exist. Is that where you were going with that? Yeah, exactly. And I just and and I think the, I, I mean, and I think that's the most extreme case. I think people underestimate the installed base. And I also think people conflate struggle with potential, with imminent failure, if that makes sense. You know, that like if you, and and God knows we'd all love to do this to to some extent, like if you take out the pandemic, right? And you go back to February, 2020. Yes. This is kind of where Peloton was, was at that point. Like, I was, I was trying way. to, yeah, I was cramming on that right before we jumped on the call. Um, I was reading a piece by Ranjan Roy that I, I haven't finished reading, to be totally fair, but it's like Red Margins or something like that is his his website. And it was talking about how, I think this was back in like December 2021, if you took out the pandemic, Peloton stock was still, you know, around the same or maybe very slightly up from February 2020 to December 2021. It's just the perception and the very public roller coaster struggle that has made everyone 
so doubtful all of a sudden in one in one lens. Yeah, and so I think you know if you if you're able to to really sort of strip that away, it's a it's a good idea. Like clearly, the market, not just the stock market, but sort of the broader consumer market, thinks this is a pretty good idea, or at least a good enough idea to sort of keep trying for a while, mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than you know these like wild swings one one way or the other, you know. And you could say that. Probably, you know, you could make the case that given all of that, probably does need a reset. You know, mm-hmm. we all, I mean, we're sort of all due for that, right? Like yeah. we're all in this yeah. in this mode of like, let's catch our breath, let's sort of figure out where we are. Let's take out the the highest high and the lowest low and get back to Median. you know some semblance of of normal life and figure out what our goals and ambitions are, what's realistic in the short, mid, and long term, and do some real planning, have a sense of, you know, what that, as I referenced earlier, sort of that that real live total addressable market is of people who are commuting to their jobs and, you know, getting raises and, you know, doing all those things and focusing more on fitness. Because as we talked about before, you know, I'm, I'm a very strong believer, as I think you are, in this notion that the mega trend is intact. You know, that people are generally, as they as they become more aware of their own health and wellness, they generally commit to it. Maybe yeah. some people more than others, and maybe people get overexcited about it and then sort of scale back. But generally, when people exercise and eat better, they feel better. They live longer. They're happier, better adjusted people. Like, I believe that. I mean, you've sort of bet your career on that. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like it. so. You yeah. Know, that, you know, and so on the margins, you know, things may come and go, but that you know, kind of movement, you know, the 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 arc of history bending toward justice, as it were, in this case, is about wellness. I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice, broad, smart perspective to have, and. To add on to that, to that person, that hypothetical person who just bought a Peloton and is like, crap, now they're having all of these issues. You know, I think that speaks to where you need to remember, like, what you've been saying about how the content is the special sauce. Like, the workout itself is what makes this company unique and sustainable. And even if Peloton's stock price tanked tomorrow, the quality of the workouts would still be what we've become used to and what what we enjoy. Um, and I think that's important to remember. And the other thing I wanted to bring up too, to that same hypothetical person that I'm now ragging on, is their their churn rate still remains incredibly low. So all the evidence goes to show that by and large, if you get the app, you get the hardware, and you, you know, live with it, you're going to keep using it. And I, I think that speaks highly of, you know, the quality of what they're putting out and gets ignored a little bit in these sensationalist times. Yeah. And I, and I think that's a really interesting point, even more broadly in this sense that, you know, if you extend that to even the way that we think about, I mean, sort of getting into my own business and yours at this point, but if you subscribe to the idea that ultimately good content and high quality content win, then that bodes well, you know, for Peloton and and for other companies that I think invest in that. You know, we yeah. I think we've seen that 
in a, a very positive way in the journalism world that people are willing mm-hmm. to pay for good content. You know, you, th- you look at the athletic or you look at, um, you know, some, some other news outlets that are out there, even New York times, digital subscriptions that, you know, people are paying a you know, but a fairly high premium for mm-hmm. people are willing to do that. Think about what people are willing to pay for various streamers if they like a certain show, you know, if yeah. they're, you know, super yeah. into Squid Game or Yellowstone or, you know, whatever succession or whatever floats your boat, you know, like people are willing to to do that. And so that investment in content, you know, does go to that notion of the delivery may be different. And who knows? I mean, that one one other sort of kind of more wild prediction would be what if Peloton sort of seeing this hybrid world links up with a company and maybe it's one of the companies we've already discussed that brings it more into the physical in-person world, even if that's on a limited base. I mean, obviously there are like some, some studios, but it sort of goes to where people want to be. I mean, that's where we're seeing a lot of content go and, yeah. um, and technology and all those different things. So I, I just, I think we're, we continue to be in a fascinating, you know, our lives are points of inflection at this point, it feels like. And so poetic. And that's, and that's okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to jump back on. I am sure this is not the last we've heard about a February for the books for Peloton and remind our listeners where they can find you on the internet and elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. I'm on Twitter at Jason Kelly News is probably the best way to to track me down. And then um, my book is called Sweat Equity Inside the New Economy of Mind and Body. And, you know, I, I dare say, even though I wrote it almost six years ago, a lot of the themes, you know, have continued to to play through, even if some of the uh, even if some of the cast of characters um, has changed. It's changed lately. I, I will endorse that as saying the themes are definitely still resonating with us today in 2022. So Jason, thank you so much for coming back on. Thank you. This has been another episode of We Got Goals and a sweatlife.com production and another thing that is better with friends. Thanks to Ryan Deffitt for editing the audio and Ryan Barayuga for editing the video that you can find on YouTube. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, our title is hashtag We Got Goals. Yes, the hashtag. Make sure to rate and subscribe so that other people can find out about us and follow us on all social platforms at A Sweat Life. Mm-hmm.